stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you've got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Comics Catch Up. This is the show where Chris Sims, who is here, hello, and I, Matt Wilson, we catch up on the comics 
that we missed when they were coming out. And we read them, and we rank them on our big old list of every comic book story ever made. You heard me talk about it in the opening music, but then I told you again. We were talking a lot about um, YouTube personality, uh, video game designer and critic uh, Tim Rogers uh, before we started recording. And I really wish we had come back, we we had come up with uh, Welcome Back to Comic Books. Because that's what this show is. We are we are coming back to comic books. That's right. We Welcome back. Welcome back to comic books. That's we could have called this show Welcome Back to Comic Books. Welcome back. That's that's for the olds. That's for the older than us in the audience. Yeah. The or the Nick at Night fans. Or the Nick at Night fans, yeah. I know you're out there. You watched WandaVision. You like those first two episodes <laughs> of WandaVision. That's some like people kids today. That some people didn't like because they were like, I've never seen the Dick Van Dyke show. Well, I have. Yeah, I feel like kids today um, don't get super into classic television in the way that we did. And I don't know if that's just like a matter of having not enough available or too much available. Because, you know, everyone can watch everything all the time. 20 years from now, the show that references quote-unquote old stuff, will be about video game screaming YouTubers. Oof, that's a, that's a, a harrowing thought, Matt. It'll be like, oh, Spider-Man is actually JonTron. That's what that'll be. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know the name. I don't know who that is, though. I'm a, I'm a fake. I'm a faker, Matt. <laughs> uh, hey, but just we're we're gonna talk about comic books in a second. But if you haven't seen that episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show with the Walnuts, you know the one that uh, that is being watched when everything blows up on that show. Go watch that. It's like really good. It's, that one and the one where Laura thinks they brought the wrong baby home from the hospital are good television. The Dick Van Dyke Show is good. Period. Yeah. It's good, but the the one with the walnuts is extra good because it's like surreal. Like they managed yeah. to get away with a surreal episode of television in whatever year that was, nineteen sixty. There's a reason. There's a reason that one's on WandaVision because it's it's the one that's that's uh, weird and bizarre and all a dream. Yeah, that's right. Spoiler: WandaVision. People were disappointed by WandaVision. WandaVision good actually. It was good. WandaVision good actually. They did manage to do the Marvel thing of the villains or evil versions of the heroes somehow. Yeah. I don't know how they pulled it off. They did it. <laughs> it. It's every, you said 75% when we were talking about it, but like, it's all of them. It's not everything. Cause I was thinking of examples of when it's not that like Spider-Man homecoming is not that. that, that that's true. That's true. Like, there are there are times when it's not that, but so many times it is exactly the Iron Man formula of the villain is a twisted version of the hero. Yeah, yeah. Yon Rog, Killmonger, the yeah. bad bad Mads Mickelson, Bads Mickelson, Bads Mickelson. I mean, Yellow obviously, Jacket. Uh, Yellow Jacket. Obviously, Iron Monger. It's it. They do it a lot. They got to be so mad that they can't. They they didn't get venom because that's like the ultimate I, that's probably why spider-man didn't fight a bad spider-man but yeah in this case and spoilers for one division folks sorry skip ahead a bit 
they didn't. We're actually have... only doing our Wandavision Boko right now, unfortunately. Yeah. They didn't just have Vision fight like another evil robot. They had Vision fight himself. Yeah, they had they had the Vision fight the John Byrne Vision. They had Paul Bettany fight Paul Bettany. Yeah, hilarious. But I believe Paul Bettany was the actor that he couldn't wait to work with that yes. he teased in interviews. <laughs> Funny guy. Funny guy, that guy. Funny guy. All right. Uh, uh, real, real quick, Matt. Two things. Again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Two things that I got really excited about on that show. One, fucking John Byrne Vision showing up. John Byrne-ass Avengers video game-ass Vision. Fully, fully albino John Byrne Vision. That's right. Yeah. Uh, second thing was... Uh, Critically acclaimed and beloved character actress uh, Catherine Hahn saying the words "the Darkhold," and the Darkhold being like a major plot element. Yeah, boy, yeah, boy. Fun. So you know, you know who loves the Darkhold? The Book of Sins. This guy right here. This guy right here. But we're not talking about old John Byrne comics on the show this month. We've read all those. A book we didn't read when it was coming out, though, is Second Coming, a book from Ahoy Comics, which was originally meant to be coming out from Vertigo Comics. When we got this submitted to us, as in every story ever entry, I didn't remember the full story of what happened with this. So, Chris, I went and looked up the Hollywood Reporter Heat Vision article. That explained what happened with Vertigo and Second Coming, and uh, I would like to just hit the high points from that. So, this happened in early 2019. Second Coming had been announced and was meant to be coming out from Vertigo, but just a few weeks before the first issue was meant to be released, they pulled it. And Vertigo decided not to publish it, partially because of an online petition on a website called Citizen Go that intended to end the publication of the book. It uh, was from January 2019. The headline of the petition was, DC Comics to Release Blasphemous Series About Jesus. I don't know how many people actually signed it, but ultimately that petition was successful because DC did not publish it. According to Mark Russell, the writer of Second Coming, he actually asked DC for the rights back. Now, I don't know what all happened up to that, but Mark Russell very diplomatically said DC didn't do this. I did. But then he took the rights and turned around and took them to Ahoy. So it's not that Mark Russell had a problem with publishing the book or thought that it would be bad to publish the book. He thought it would be bad to publish the book at DC. Yeah. Which, which I think like, everybody involved had to expect, right? Like, I don't know how DC editorial works. I've often wondered how DC editorial works, uh-huh. uh, but like, it's the same thing that happened with uh, with the Holy Terror and with the Boys. Because if you remember, the Boys was originally going to be a Vertigo book too. Oh yeah, 
And then uh, they decided, yeah, we're not gonna. And then uh, it went it's, to Dynamite. It's too raw. Yeah. And we know that DC has a friendly relationship with Dynamite. And I would not be surprised if DC had like a friendly-ish relationship with Ahoy. You know, uh, in, in fact, like I believe Tom Pyre uh, has recently done more work with DC. We know he's like a like a, a, a DC guy from back in the day, uh, at least. Wrote Our Man. Wrote Our Man was going to be part of Superman 2000, and that didn't happen. The greatest tragedy in the history of comic books. They had to know that it was going to be taken somewhere else. And and I think that's that's everybody wins with that one, right? Because yeah. they like Mark Russell gets to publish it. DC doesn't get the heat from publishing it. Honestly, Ahoy probably doesn't get the heat from publishing it because like it's a much smaller publisher that people aren't going to notice. Like they're going to notice DC Comics. You know, if anything, Ahoy gets more eyes on it by publishing the book that DC wouldn't. Yeah. But this is also much like The Boys and much like Holy Terror in that you knew what you were getting. Like, you you knew what this book was. You knew who was writing it. This would have been, like, Mark Russell's fourth or fifth DC project. Or project at DC, I guess I should say. Like, you know, Prez, uh, Flintstones. I think this was after Snagglepuss. And this would have been uh, after – oh, what did he – did something after Prez. I don't think it would have been it would have been like maybe concurrent with with Wonder Twins, but like they knew they knew who he was and there is nothing in this book that you would not expect from reading those books, you know. And it wasn't even Mark Russell's first piece of religious related work. Yeah. He did uh, the uh, God is disappointed in you book. Yeah, and the sequel to it, which was called Apocrypha Now, which was almost the title of Apocryphals before we remembered that it was a Mark Russell thing. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think perhaps the whole thing was DC trying to save face. That Vertigo relaunch was cursed, unfortunately. What else was involved in that, Matt? This Second Coming book didn't happen. There was the saga of Bordertown. Mm, yeah, okay, yeah. Which did release an issue or two. Mm-hmm. And then all the awful stuff about Eric Esquivel came out. Yeah. And those might have been the only two books that didn't happen, but I, I think the whole thing kind of marred that Vertigo relaunch where it, you know, it didn't even go for like a full year, as I recall. It was as I said, somewhat cursed. Yeah. And the, uh, like the attention at that time, I think was like what vertigo was at its peak with the attempt, like that kind of niche was filled by young animal at the time, which I don't know if young animal is still around actually. Yeah. I don't know. None of those books are coming out right now, but it may just be like kind of on hiatus. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know the current status of young animal, but young animal was kind of doing, more DC University PG-13 kind of stuff, whereas Vertigo was going to be like the hard R, more envelope-pushing kind of stuff. And DC, I think, ultimately just didn't have the appetite for that at the time. Yeah. It's so weird what DC gets skittish about when it comes to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because... Like, you are familiar, I don't know if our audience is familiar, but I know you're familiar with how Rick Veach's run on Swamp Thing was supposed to end. Yes, yes. Uh, Which, if you don't know, Swamp Thing was going to be the cross. 
Yep, the, the the cross, the the cross upon which Jesus was crucified. That was gonna be Swamp Thing, the DC comic character, and they backed off of that. And then that's in like ninety four, and then in ninety six, Preacher starts, and it's like the, the the shift between you know like what was a I, maybe it wasn't even as late as ninety four, but it was like very close to when when Preacher would have started in terms of like two or three years. And the difference was just one of these was a book that had the DC Comics label, and one of them was a book that had the Vertigo Comics label. Uh, you know, Hellblazer. There's there's a lot of like, I mean, Preacher the big one because you know it's got the, uh, the 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 Bloodline descendant in it, which is rough stuff from from your boy Garth. But it's it's weird what they will and won't do over there. Yet I don't remember. That getting a ton of attention at the time, like any of the preacher stuff. I remember I people like- just saying preacher was good, and nobody batting an eye at the religious content of preacher. I feel like the like maybe the first arc because you know that that Glenn Favorite cover on preacher number one is like very like it's got a burning church on it, and like J- Jesse's got that weird smile, like he's going to be the bad guy. Yeah, but yeah, it's like it's it didn't get the heat i think maybe because people because it was published by vertigo and they didn't have like a dc comics logo anywhere on it maybe that was the problem maybe I, it's hard to work out so the book does not come out at vertigo and ends up coming out at ahoy but by all indications these are exactly the six issues that would have been coming out at vertigo it still has the Amanda Connor covers, which definitely were part of the DC release. I remember that art being part of the promotion for the Vertigo book. It still has the Richard Pace art and Leonard Kirk finishes on some pages, which we'll get into when we get into more about the book itself. And it it ends after six issues. Now, Quite possibly, there's more of this to come. It does not end definitively enough to say that that's the end of the concept. Perhaps, quite possibly, there will be more a second coming. I feel like a second one is already announced. Okay, like, I feel like that's a definite thing that's happening, or, okay. or was at one time. Yeah, it it feels like there is def- is certainly set up to be more. Uh, it ends on sort of kind of a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. the, the the six issues. So while it is published by Ahoy, it is, it is clearly definitely the Vertigo book. And I think the most obvious element of that is how much Sunstar, the book's Superman analog, because the whole concept of the book is Superman meets Jesus, and they live together. Sunstar is so Superman. Yes. Barely an analog. However, I do think Jesus is, weirdly enough, in this comic, closer to biblical Jesus than Sunstar is to mainline DC Comics Superman. Yeah, yeah. M- much much more of a uh, much more of a Jesus than, than Sunstar is a Superman, which I thought was interesting and an interesting way to go about it. Sunstar is more aggressive than Superman, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. 
which he kind of has to be in order to be a uh, a contrast with Jesus. But there there is a part where he definitely has the must there be a Superman uh, sort of conversation, and then it's like, yeah, why not? <laughs> why shouldn't I just go uh, do whatever I want to? Okay, let's do it. Yeah. One of the first things he does in the book is destroy a bunch of robots. Yeah. <laughs> that turn out to be people. Yeah. That is a more controversial thing than anything Jesus does in this book, I think. Yeah. Cause I mean, look, it's an accident. Superman accidentally kills people, but he does kill people and comics. Superman would absolutely know that there were people inside of those robot costumes. Right. He he wouldn't fuck up like that. Right. This Superman or Sunstar is definitely more of a fuck up than Superman is. He doesn't have all his shit together like he would if he were really Superman. Mm-hmm. That said, he does do some fun stuff. Perhaps my favorite thing that he does is by the suggestion of Jesus, who's like, does everything have to be solved with violence? Like, essentially, Jesus says, you can deal with criminals by helping them instead of hurting them. And Superman goes, or Sunstar goes, okay, well, we'll see. And they burst into the home of a supervillain and make him go to college. That part I thought was very, very fun. Because they, <laughs> they threaten him until he goes to college. It's one of my favorite parts of the whole book. They, like, stand there as he signs up for classes. <laughs> It's a very good bet. <laughs> like, he wants to sign up for a film theory class, and so, Sunstar's like, no, business management. Are you kidding? Film theory. It's very funny. I, yeah. That's one of my favorite parts in the whole thing. One of my least favorite parts in the whole thing is when Sunstar gets an address wrong and goes and beats the shit out of some innocent dude. And, and essentially, like, wrecks his house. Yeah. Because he went to the wrong place. Because he thinks that guy is, is stalking and threatening the uh, the Lois Lane analog. Right, yeah. And that's his big, that's his big, why shouldn't I just go and do it uh, moment, which is, which I think is, is not like, again, it's a terrible Superman moment. I think it's kind of a fine Sunstar moment. Yeah, I, th- I think if you start thinking about the sun star of this comic not quite being Superman. Like, being Superman if he was a little more of a fuck-up. Yeah. Then he makes a lot more sense. Because there are definitely parts of this where it's like, he's not Superman. Like, another thing is like, he and the Lois analog cannot have kids. They've been trying and trying and they just can't do it. And so... They're looking to adopt. And by virtue of him being a superhero, he hasn't been able to make like the meetings with the adoption agent. And by virtue of the fact that he's not like a citizen per se, he's an alien, like that has an effect on whether they can adopt this kid and all of that stuff. Which would probably not be a storyline in a Superman comic, but works well for this, you know. Yeah. I, now, am I misremembering matters? There like no Clark Kent sort of thing in this. Like, as far as we can tell, I believe Sunstar doesn't have a secret identity. He's like he is Sunstar full time. Everyone knows that his uh, girlfriend is like Sunstar's girlfriend. 
uh, he, we, I don't think we ever see him do a job. <laughs> we pretty much only ever see him in costume. Yeah. I, I think. I, yeah, I think he is pretty much just straight up Sunstar. I could be wrong. There could be a moment where he is in a secret identity. Because look, folks, we read this book over a month ago. Because this was supposed to be last month's catch up. And then I had a life tragedy happen and we had to push it back. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think you have a good excuse for not remembering details. I kind of don't, but you know, it's been, it's been a bit. I think he is. I think you're right though. I think he is pretty much Sunstar throughout this whole thing. And, uh, and is not, doesn't have a, a secret identity per se. Like there's a, there are a lot of scenes where, Let's just call her Lois for the purposes of talking about the book. They're they're driving in the car together, and he's just fully in costume yeah. as Sunstar. They go to the adoption agency, or they go to pick up his grandmother. I think they, they go to pick they, up. They his do grandmother. both. Like when they talk to the adoption agency, like he's in full costume. Yeah, and then they go to pick up his grandmother, and he's in full costume there too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say he doesn't have a secret identity. So that's Sunstar. He's he's not quite Superman. Jesus is very much more Jesus. And I actually really like this book's approach to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite character in the book, kind of easily. Good. He's very good. And my favorite part of the book, no doubt, is where he's like Sunstar gets distracted and has to leave him behind. And as a result, Jesus gets arrested because he says, I'm Jesus. And he ends up running into, Jesus does, ends up running into essentially Westboro Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And he tells them, I didn't say any of this. (laughs) Like, I don't know what you people are doing, and I can't believe you're doing it in my name, because I never said anything even close to this. And he goes, who said this? Like, where is this in my word? And the guy's like, it's right here in 1 Corinthians, written by the Apostle Paul. And Jesus is like, who is Paul? Yeah, uh, if you were an Apocrypals listener, you'll know that was my favorite part of the book. (laughs) Because I do not care for that dude. Here's a quote that I I really like. Uh, Jesus says, I asked James to spread my word. I asked Peter to spread my word. I never even asked Paul to spread the jelly. Yeah. They they didn't... Look, it is entirely within... If you're going to accept things, there's no reason to not accept that Jesus appeared to Paul in a vision on the road to Damascus. However, he's not in the Gospels. They did not know each other. Yeah, he wasn't around for the the earlier bit. They never met as living people, even yeah. biblically. And when Jesus ends up going to jail, he's like confused about everything. He hates like the commercialization of you know his religion. Uh, there's one great moment where he he goes into the jail and he says, "I take it back. This place is exactly the way that I remember it." Like, essentially, the idea is, like, nobody's learned their lesson. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's so not the kind of, like, American ideal of tough guy Jesus. Because he, he just wants people to get along and be nice to each other. 
and they're doing all this horrible stuff in his name. Like that whole thing is pretty profound. I feel like. Yeah. And it's, it's very much in tune with like what you would expect from Mark Russell. If you've read Prez or, or Flintstones. Yeah. It's, it's satirical. Like the sort of like Christian, the Christians of this book are, are exaggerated, but only a little bit. Yeah. I think the, the, depiction of like modern evangelical Christianity, it's obviously like the worst parts of it, but it's not wrong. Uh, I feel like if you are a, a religious person, uh, if, if you are a member of the Christian faith, the most objectionable stuff is God. Yeah. I think this God is intended to be kind of like old Testament God. Yeah. But he's like grumpy and very unconcerned. Well, th- that's Old Testament God, right? Like, Old Testament God is vengeful. He, he goes back and forth. He, gets, he, <laughs> he gets, has his bad taste. Yeah, he gets mad at people all the time. Yes. And punishes them. And this God, this God is not quite that. He's kind of just, he, he he's not sure that he should have done any of this. And he likes fucking with people. Like, there's that bit in, like, I think it's in the first issue, where he's, like, hanging out in heaven, and they're letting people in. And he tells the one guy, like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. We we made a mistake. We're going to send you to the lake of fire. And the guy's like, what? And God's like, I'm just kidding. It's not really a lake. <laughs> it's, more like a, it's more like a big pool. Like, that's the God of this book. Like... He doesn't really even like Jesus. He doesn't know that he should have had a son. He, yeah, he's unconcerned, I think, is a good way of describing it. Yeah, it's not that he doesn't like Jesus. It's that he's a little bit disappointed uh, that Jesus doesn't seem to be able to have gotten the job done. Like, things are still bad on Earth. Yeah, and I think he thinks Jesus is maybe kind of wimpy. Yeah, because clearly... Uh, Jesus' strategy did not work. Yeah. And I think there is maybe intended to be like a biblical basis for the God of this book. But for comedic effect, he is like a huge jerk. He's like, he's a bad dad. Yeah. I think in the, like, in the exact same way that uh, Sunstar is an exaggerated Superman and like a, a kind of like satirical Superman. God is an exaggerated and satirical God in the way that Jesus is absolutely not, you know, in the way that Jesus is pretty much just Jesus. I'm very intrigued by this book's depiction of Satan slash the devil, who is almost entirely based on the tempting Jesus in the desert story. You're talking about the the devil who looks like the sinister minister, James Vandenberg. (laughs) That's exactly what he looks like. Yeah. He he. We see very early on the the story, a retelling of the story of the temptation in the desert of Jesus, where the devil's basically saying, "Like you're the son of God, you could do whatever you want. You could jump off this cliff, and the angels would catch you right now, and you don't have to die. So why don't you just like do that?" And Jesus says no to that. And at some point early on in this, when we see like the devil now, 
he talks to both God and Jesus. And as a reader, you're like, you know what? He's kind of making some good points. Like, he sort of tricks you as the reader. Because essentially, the devil tells Jesus, yeah, God's a bad dad. Like, God's a bad dad, and you shouldn't listen to him anymore. Yeah. A bad dad to you, a bad dad to me, a bad dad to humanity. Yeah. And, of course, turns out, that's all part of a big plan to destroy humanity, destroy Jesus, destroy all of it. The devil's trying to get his place back as, like, the head angel. Like, he's he's trying to re- re- get back his place as Lucifer, essentially. Yeah. I do think there is a an interesting twist to it, though, in that you you do get the idea that if he was forgiven, if if like God forgave him in the way that like Jesus is like a forgiving guy, that he wouldn't have. He's got a backup plan because he doesn't think it's going to happen. But if he would have, then 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 Satan wouldn't have done his Satan stuff, which I guess is the whole deal with Satan, right? Like. It, it's it's a it's a threat uh, that is like more of an unspoken threat, which I thought was a really interesting way to portray him because he's a guy who sincerely seems to want to rejoin, but doesn't know how. Like he doesn't have it in him to do it the right way. You know, like Jason Todd. Yeah, yeah, exactly like Jason Todd. He's very much like Jason Todd. Like the only way he knows how to do it is through trickery and deceit. And so he's going to kill Jesus and essentially try to take his place. That's that's his whole plan. Perhaps we, we talked about like there's nothing particularly blasphemous happening with Jesus in this. That does perhaps ignore the last thing we see Jesus do, which is kill the devil with a knife that looks like a pickle. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really interesting. Explore like part. That's the part where I think like you can see in a lot of Mark Russell's work, virtually all of it, honestly, where he's doing the satire to explore a point, but then he wants to do a sincere exploration of a point, and so that comes through. And I haven't read uh, Snagglepuss, but from the way you've talked about it, I feel like that's probably what comes through a lot in that book. Oh, Snagglepuss is sincere from start to end. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the least satirical thing I've read of his. And yeah, it it's probably his best it's probably his best work too. Yeah. But And so it's yeah. it's definitely like a a thing of like, okay, you won't save yourself, but what if it was for everyone else? Which I think is you know, it's 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 not a new idea in terms of discussions of Jesus. <laughs> But it is one that, like, I think is interestingly explored, and it gets to that same part of, like, must there be a Superman, but with Jesus. Like, it's the same must there be a Superman question applied to Jesus, which I think is the fulfillment of the premise of this book. And I think it's, I think it's done in a very interesting way. I do think, however, that there may be an un- unintended message that comes from the whole Jesus ends up having to stab the devil in the chest thing. Right. Because I feel like one takeaway you could absolutely have from that is that, Oh, Jesus learned from Sunstar 
that violence is okay. Or that sometimes violence is necessary. Yeah. Because the Jesus who starts this book never wants to do a violence ever. Yes. Oh, by the way, I don't know that there is an alter ego for Sunstar. He does have a name, which is Ken. Yeah. We do, we do see him out of costume at the wedding, where he's, right. wearing, he's wearing a tuxedo. And he, you know, he's from, he's from, uh, it's, it's called like Little Town. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's not Smallville, but it might as well be called not Smallville. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The book establishes an alter ego for him, but it's pretty inconsequential. Yeah. He just has a name, and it's Ken. Yeah. That's I feel like he just, like, that's just an indication that, like, when he was a kid, he wasn't just called Sunstar. You know, he, because he has parents. He has a grandma who's in a, a, a nursing home. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think we ever see his parents, but we do see his grandmother. One last thing I want to talk about before we get into ranking is a little bit about the art in this book, because they're two very distinct, very clear art styles. All the art is by Richard Pace, but the Sunstar pages, they're like Jesus pages and Sunstar pages. And sometimes they kind of overlap, but they try to like keep them separate. And so Leonard Kirk does finishes on the Sunstar pages and Andy Troy does colors on the Sunstar pages. And they look way more like a comic book, if that makes sense, like a superhero comic book. They're much cleaner, and the colors are brighter, and you know they look like a Superman comic. The Jesus pages are scratchier, and the colors are a little muddier, and they look kind of like the illustrations you might see in an illustrated Bible. Yeah, Matt, I think it's like in a very uh, like basic term, it's kind of the difference between like superhero comics and Vertigo comics. You know, <laughs> like it's got the the scratchier late eighties, early nineties Vertigo, like Sam Keithy sort of look to it. Yeah, I think it's intended to evoke like the art you would see on the wall in Sunday school. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. I'm not sure it quite totally pulls everything off like i'm as like art for a comic book it, it it comes off as a little scratchy and and weird in places um and i feel like some of the gags don't land because of it like the te- like when there's text over it it looks kind of strange like i feel like the gag where in heaven all the restaurants or restaurant chains that have become defunct <laughs> That's extremely good, actually. Which is a funny gag, but like the logos for the restaurant look kind of weirdly out of place in that art. Um, so I, I don't know that it's a hundred percent successful, but I like what they're going for with. It. Yeah, uh, it's. I think it gives the flashbacks like a nice, different sort of flavor because again, it all looks like it's all the same artist. So everything looks consistent despite the the difference in style, which I think is is interesting. Like especially when you get to the climax of the book, and you'll have like you know Sunstar bursting through the wall in that very hero- like super heroic style, and then on the same page, 
like the same things happening with uh with Satan and Jesus are done in the scratchier uh style. I think it's I think it's an interesting choice. All right, Chris. I think it's time to rank Second Coming. I guess we can call it Second Col- Second Coming Volume 1 if there is for sure a second volume coming, which I would assume second volume coming. Yeah. Which I'm sure is happening given where this book leaves off. Should we start, should we compare it against other Mark Russell books? Is that, I think, do you think that's the best place to start here? Well, I mean, do we have any other big uh, Jesus appearances we could look at? <laughs> I don't think so. We, we have plenty of other Superman analogs, I think. Yeah. I think maybe starting with Mark Russell is a good place to put it. Cause this, I enjoyed this. I thought it was uh, quite good. It's not my favorite Mark Russell book. No, which I think it's not it's my still probably Prez for me. Well, Snagglepuss is at number 60. Yeah. Flintstones is at number 61. I don't know that it's as good as Flintstones. Yeah, I don't think it is either. I don't I don't think it is cuz Flintstones is real that issue about why people get married is phenomenal. That is some, like one of the most affecting lines I've ever read in a comic book. I thought for sure we had ranked Prez, but it is not on here. We certainly talked about it a lot. We've talked about it a lot. I thought for sure that we had ranked it, but when I search Prez, when I search the document for Prez, it does not come up. So, go figure. We haven't ranked Prez. Uh, I don't think we've ranked Wonder Twins. Matt, I will say this. Uh, I think this is probably... My least favorite Mark Russell book that we've read, despite the fact that I liked it a lot. Like, I have liked every single thing we've read by that dude. Yeah. I was looking at the list. Given that we only have a couple of Mark Russell works on the list, and they are both very high, I'm looking on the list for some Superman analogs. Mm -hmm. We also have some Superman analogs very high. So, I've dug down a little deeper. One we ranked very recently is Mr. Majestic number one. And I don't think that's too far off the mark here. It's currently no. on the list. It's currently on the list at number 312. I feel like both that book and this book are kind of like sold on the strength of their high concepts, right? I would agree with that, yes. That Mr. Majestic issue is kind of like the perfect Superman analog story. Yeah, yeah. And this isn't quite there, but I think they can reside in the same part of the list. There's a lot of good stuff in this part of the list. There's, Absolutely. You know, Legion of Losers, Secret Wars, Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest. So maybe maybe it's not exactly where Mr. Majestic number one is, but it, you know, I, I don't think this is too far off the mark of where Second Coming could go. No, definitely not. I think I, I think it's you're in the right area. Like I was looking down at like I, I skipped down to like five hundred, because you know, sometimes we like to start with the big round numbers, and like Flash, the human race is there. That's where the Flash uh races against Sonic the Hedgehog for the fate of mm-hmm. uh, all humanity. Yeah. And like this is probably better than that. I think this is better than that, yeah. Yeah. 
this is better than the one where everybody in the world has to put on their running shoes and run to give Flash super running power to beat Sonic the Hedgehog. Number 400 is Hellboy Box Full of Evil. What do we think there? I mean, that was, that was pretty good. What's around that? Iron Fist, The Seven Capital Cities of Heaven, which is also pretty good. It's also pretty good. That's a Mortal Kombat. That's a full Mortal Kombat, too. That's not like, like Ten of Swords. Yeah. There's no, there's no fooling you into thinking that this is a Mortal Kombat and then not delivering. That's true. Iron Man, Demon in a Bottle, that's at number 402. That is probably better, I would say. Like, that... Like, if, if only for, like... On a, on a technical level, is this better? Probably. But, like, it's not... I think we can go ahead and say it's not going to have the long-lasting impact of that story. Yeah. At number 420, the drug number is... is, yeah. is my Hero Academia Volume 1. Another catch-up that we did. This is better than that. This is better than that. Yeah. Okay. Right above that, at number 419, is... Boku Ninja- no coming. Ninjak Volume 3? Uh, this is probably better than that. Okay. Klaus the Witch of Winter is at 418. Or Claus. Or Claus. Uh... That one's pretty good, but I think that's like we're we're. I am sure now we are in the exact right spot. Yeah, which of winter? I think we ranked the lowest. I think it's the weak, weakest of the claws slash Klaus stories. Mm-hmm. Strong female characters from Hark of Vagrant is at four seventeen. Pretty Again, good. Similar. Seven soldiers. The Manhattan Guardian is at four sixteen. Batman I, Last Rites is at four fifteen. I okay. I think. It's it's better than Manhattan Guardian, but I don't think it's as good as Last Rites. Alright, so Second Coming, Volume 1, is at the new number 416 on the list. Which is very respectable. Very respectable place. Very respectable. I mean, look, this list has uh, well over 1,100 comics on it. I think we might be over 1,200 at this point. We have exceeded 1,200. We're at 1,204 total. So that puts it not quite in the top third of the list, but pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. It does put it below Elmer Fudd, Play For Me. So. That, that might, Matt, that might end up being a maximum carnage situation. A real <laughs> MCS. <laughs> All right. We've ranked Second Coming a book with as an interesting a story in real life as on the page. Yeah. Uh, solid, solid, like, absolutely. If you if you listen to these with a, an ear towards uh, finding stuff to read, absolutely read it. Like, definitely it's, it's read really, it. It's good, yeah. Definitely got some thought-provoking stuff in there. I really, again, appreciate and enjoy the part about Jesus coming to Earth and saying, you didn't learn anything from me. Yeah. Like, how did you mess up my my message so bad? Because if I was going to write a comic book about Jesus, that's exactly what I'd have him be saying. Would you have Jesus be a Spider-Man villain? Villain? I I don't think villain. I think I'd put him on the in the in the supporting cast. Hmm. It's Jesus's first day at the bugle. <laughs> 
Welcome to the X-Men, Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, like if read it, especially if your uh, areas of interest have similar overlaps to ours, in which case this is like square in the middle. Yeah, very targeted toward yeah. the Apocrypals for Rocket Ajax Matrix. We'll be back in April with another story to catch up on. We'll do a poll for whatever we're going to read in April. Thanks for listening, everybody. Sorry we didn't get one out in February. You know we had our reasons, and they were reasons. But we finally got this one out. See you in April with another one of these. Regular Ajax is coming out every Monday, as always, and we'll do even more Every Story Ever by the end of March. If you want to support catch up and everything else we do here at Kaleidos Media. Patreon.com slash WarRocketAjax is the place where you can pitch in and get ad-free episodes of everything that we do, as well as other uh, cool rewards for being a Patreon backer. If you can't be a Patreon backer, a review of five stars on the podcasting app that you use, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever it is that you download your podcasts through, uh, that would help us out as well. You can find me at mattdwilson.net. That has links to all my stuff. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. I've had it since 2007. And uh, you can go there and uh, find links to everything that I do, including other podcasts uh, on which I am and have appeared, and uh, you can find things that I've written, comic books, all sorts of stuff. Also, don't forget, uh, doing some writing projects over at the uh, War Rocket Ajax Patreon, exclusively for backers, uh, something that I'm finding to be very enjoyable to do. Uh, so if you like those, please tell me. If you don't like those, hey, then you do it, buddy. That turns weird on me, Matt. <laughs> See you next month, everybody. Bye, everybody.